Welcome to Whitestone Podcast from the Whitestone Forum. This podcast is for business and nonprofit leaders like you and me, specifically designed around building, polishing, and leveraging our competencies. Each episode will provide a lens through which ever-growing citizens of God's kingdom can think about very effectively impacting every one of their organizations. For Whitestone Podcast, I'm Kevin Miller. So, in this series of episodes, we've been looking into the truly astounding effectiveness of supply chains, especially in the 21st century. They've become vital drivers of the economic betterment of literally billions of people across the economic spectrum in many nations. And yes, very much including the poor. Earlier, we delved into the essential need for smooth and efficient cooperation for a fantastic supply chain to actually be fantastic in delivering a low-cost, high-value path to consumers. And that collaboration relies on free markets that help to ensure a person or company is available to deliver the best stewardship. Hey, do you recall the episode about the pencil? Yeah, a pencil! That episode quotes the leading advocate of free markets of the 20th century, Milton Friedman from the University of Chicago. You should go listen to that episode again. But why is that? In it, Friedman condenses a famous little story about a yellow pencil that was originally authored by the astute Leonard Reed of Fee, the Foundation for Economic Education. But the first time that kind of pencil idea was put forth was by the father of economics we talked about, Adam Smith. Remember him? Recently we talked about Smith's two famous books and how powerfully he pioneered an awareness and understanding about real-world economics. Yeah, transactions that create widespread prosperity undergirded by morality. Now, what Smith did was write just a relatively few words about what he called the invisible hand. And his use of that little two-word phrase capturing the real-life experience of people everywhere has endured as a defining economic idea. But instead of a pencil, Smith used the example of a lowly worker's simple wool coat. This was in the mid-1700s, and Smith's point was that numerous workers had labored jointly to produce that affordable wool coat, from merchants to deliverers to other workers, along with all the necessary machinery deployed too. And Smith also mentioned many things the worker uses, the rest of his clothes, his tools, and all his personal possessions. Many, many people were each doing their roles all working in concert in their own stewardship interest to serve this one worker without having to really even know him. Yes, that's the invisible hand. The worker didn't really see very much of it at all, but the clear evidence was all there. Likewise, every facet of our complex lives as consumers is everyday evidence of many people working in concert to serve us well. Countless people who are great stewards for us, each and everyone doing their small part 
in vast networks of activity. They each work to fulfill their role in providing us computers, cars, electricity, lettuce, spices, bicycles, yes, even pencils and wool coats. And we'll actually know just an extremely small fraction of those who provide us goods and services so efficiently. Yes, the invisible hand, the interwoven efforts of so many working on our behalf is an everyday reality. Very easy to grasp. Except it isn't obvious or easy to embrace for some people. So let me explain why that is. And to do that, let's actually look at two simple principles for understanding and interpreting the Bible. Here we go. Exegetical interpretation is where hearers or readers of the Bible passage do not impose inappropriate notions upon that passage. The opposite of that is eisegetical interpretation, where hearers or readers of the Bible passage do impose their own ideas upon that passage. Now, anybody can hold their own ideas about the Bible. But God's Word is intended for us to read the Bible in the context and meaning that God intends. And since so many people have interpretations that are very much in conflict with one another, many folks are wrong. <laughs> Nevertheless, the Christian is to work to understand Bible verses in God's context. Now, in a pure science like physics, there's not so much room for disagreements. That's because the truth is so verifiable. But in a social science like economics... There's more room for disagreements. Assumptions made and the methods used are really key. Funny thing is, some economists have pretty much declared the invisible hand as not true or inappropriate. Sometimes creating a bunch of observations and allegedly scientific conclusions. Unfortunately for them... They have two formidable obstacles to overcome. The first is this, prosperity. See, Smith only wrote a few sentences about the invisible hand in his two books. And to any reasonable person looking at the economic fate of nations, it's really obvious that he painted a nicely broad, yet quite accurate picture of the invisible hand in the lives of people in observable, vibrant free markets. It's hard to deny history. Free markets America prospered. Socialist nations didn't. The second obstacle is this, complexity. Yeah, honest adults in a complex society honestly know, say, that they could never personally create a yellow pencil that cost them, say, a nickel. Or even at all. In fact, they don't know how to start to think about sourcing and putting together all the parts of a simple number two pencil. The graphite, eraser, wood, paint, and little metal band. Beginning with actually discovering the graphite in nature. It would take them months, years, or even a lifetime to create one pencil. But the invisible hand that interconnects every person who's doing their part to make and deliver that pencil is obvious, and all that for a nickel. That is, unless you're an economist with eisegetical political views who wants to start the analysis 
by assuming that free markets are immoral and inherently foster greed. You see, in a social science like economics, some economists are eisegetical. They infuse their version of morality into their conclusions. Yeah, to them, it's inherently not fair that Sam Walton became a billionaire even though for decades he helped hundreds of millions of people manage their family budgets more frugally. No, Sam was getting way too much wealth for that. Never mind that Sam Walton's company, Walmart, profoundly helped the working poor, crafting and sustaining a very astute supply chain involving thousands of companies and many millions of people. Yeah, to some, Sam's wealth is inherently immoral. But that's not to say that everybody who participates in free markets is moral. Many are not. But even that's a key part of the magic of broad free markets among many millions of people. It's self-correcting. We can merely move on to transacting with others who are moral or are just plain better stewards for us. In contrast with socialism and communism, People can't easily move on to other choices. Their freedoms are severely restricted to dealing with government-controlled edicts and structures, with favored treatment for the special few. All that's done in the name of equality. This is a very old story. Ever since Karl Marx launched his communist ideology to work to defeat Smith and supposedly call out free markets. The folks who claim to have discredited Smith's invisible hand often simply want to leaven in their idea that immoral behavior is pretty much always a core ingredient in every product or service provided in a free market system. Instead, their idea is that very virtuous government bureaucrats need to take over to right the inherent wrongs of two free people entering a free will transaction. In their world, wealth is inherently ill-gotten. No credit is to be given to Sam for his risk-taking, his knowledge creation, his hard work, his results. No, the thinking goes, this all would have been created anyway by the community without unique individual efforts working in concert. Yes, it would all happen because the community would just magically put it all together. Except it never does. Socialist countries remain poor, except for the elite. Free enterprise country citizens can become prosperous. And every person who is truly willing to steward their gifting and making that happen can prosper more than in socialist countries. Again, compare the average person standing in socialist countries versus the free markets United States. Only someone with a huge, eisegetical blind spot will say the invisible hand doesn't exist. Hey, we can see a parallel to all this in the Bible. Many say they are atheists, that God doesn't exist. But here's what the Bible says, Romans 1, 18-20, quote, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. 
For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse, unquote. Yes, God's fingerprints are everywhere. You must be willfully blind to not notice His handiwork, His invisible hand in creation. There it is, God's higher case for His invisible hand being visible to all who would have eyes to see. And in a lesser but very powerful way, the fruits of the invisible hand of free markets are clearly real and deposited. Thank you for listening to Whitestone Podcast. Visit our website, whitestone.org, for more real-world equipping. There you'll find uncommon video teachings, application and action questions for this podcast episode, and more. Also, check out our unique downloadable resources for group meetups. That's whitestone.org. I'm Kevin Miller.